welcome to another Rahalasta pub back at the Leicester Square Theatre for the first time in 18 months. Uh, and this week's podcast was not at the Leicester Square Theatre, though. It was at in Norwich in a big tent. And it's with Matthew Holness from Garth Marenghi and much, much more. Uh, it's a fabulous interview. But we are back at the Leicester Square Theatre and you can buy tickets to come and see us. Uh, a lot of them are sold out or very close to selling out, so be quick. Go to richsharing.com slash gigs and you can get the links. You can also watch the live streams, which, uh, again, richsharing.com is the easiest way to find the link. If you're a monthly badger or if you become one, you get half price on those streams as well. So do consider becoming a monthly badger. There's all sorts of wonderful benefits if you do. Gofasterstrike.com slash badges. Uh, and that's about it. Why don't we sit back, relax? Yeah, it's a quick one. Sit back, relax and enjoy... Come and see us live, Rahula Stepper with Matthew Holness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Interlude Theatre. Please welcome a man who's just realised he's performing in a fee paying school. Introduce <laughs> him. Thank you very much. Oh, yes. That's more like it. You're much better than last week's audience. <laughs> that works on a lot of levels this week. So um, I'm just trying to get my head around it. Hello, lovely to be back in Norwich. I love it here so much. Welcome to Richard Herring's low-level sexual t t tension. Trans oh, no, low-level sexual transmission was what I put, podcast. Low levels, all one word. Uh, though I was hanging around, I was no, I was playing, I was doing snow tubing at Norfolk Snow Sports Club <laughs> in Trouse Newton today, uh, and uh, all the eight-year-olds there call it Rahalastapa. Then I, then I went to the Norfolk Water Sports Club. It was different. It was a different. It was different than I expect. Different. Very lively membership. Uh, I got this letter last week. And I've, I've saved up for this week. Um, it's uh, someone's drawn a slightly terrifying picture of me on a card. I thought, uh oh, here we go. But it's all right. I think they're going to be okay. Dear Richard, any, if, you were, if you were here last week, um, this uh, ties in a little bit to what we we're talking about. Two years ago, our cousins paid you to call our dad a rude name. But because the guest on your show had drunk too much, don't think it was just drink, to be honest, the podcast was never played. Bloody Michael Evis. No, it wasn't, it wasn't him. It wasn't him. But we'd like it very much now if we can pay you to call our uncle a rude name. There's £3.50 <laughs> taped. And that is enough. £3.50. I hope they thought about, should we make it four? No. Three, three fifty. Could you call our uncle Xander a gold-plated shit gibbon? I can, and I just have. Thank you very much from Bjorn and Scout. Thank you very much. He's a gold-plated... I mean, he's called Uncle Xander. He's a gold-plated shit gibbon. I, I, need, I need no other information. Uh, talking of water sports, um, it, it does literally... I was doing a wee. Just, it was, when, when we're recording this, the Olympics just finished a, a few days ago, a couple week, week or so ago, and... Um, on the last day of the Olympics, I think it was, I was doing a wee in my toilet in my house. And um, it was one of those wees. I don't know why it happens. It happens increasingly as you get old, where just for no reason the stream breaks into two. <laughs> right? And you've got two streams. There's nothing there to make it happen, just two streams. So often that, as you're an older man, it'll go on, uh, miss the toilet or hit you on the leg. You'll know you're wearing shorts. You've, you've experienced it. Uh, but I managed to make both streams go in the toilet at the same time. And I thought, why isn't that an Olympic sport? That is, why is that? Is, you know, it's, it's meant to be celebrating all the physical, amazing things. And you've seen some of the shit they have in the Olympics now. And there's nothing to celebrate weeing. You could do that next to another man who's weeing in the same way. Or woman, it's a, it doesn't have to be. It would be difficult for a woman to do. I think it would, the synchronised sport might have to be same sex. Uh, but, you know, that's... Because that just... That diving, the synchronised diving that Tom Daly won his gold medal for, only one of you has to be good at diving, don't they? The other one just copies... <laughs> just, 
I could do that. I could be the bloke who the initial one who jumps off, then the other bloke has to copy me. So, and, and you know, there could be other you, you could do, who can do the most volume. That's not celebrated at the Olympics. Who can do, you know, you could push things along, can you, with it? I don't think they should do shit and spunking, mate. No, this is, it's the Olympics. Have a sense of decorum. That was my idea. I'm hoping that'll get taken up. Right, look, we've got a fantastic guest for you this week. Let's, let's move straight on. He's probably best known for playing Bob Fossil in The Mighty Boosh. Yeah, but what is he? Think again. We'll talk about it. Will you please welcome Matthew Holness, ladies and gentlemen. It's Matthew Holness. Bob Fossil. Bob, Bob Fossil. From the Mighty Boosh. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good indeed. Thank you. You can have either of those. I don't think Jay Rayner drank uh, last week. Drank either. They've been sitting there since last week. <laughs> don't think he drank either of them. But, you know, it's probably got the cleanest mouth. That's fine. Yeah, he has to keep it clean for his... So, Bob Fossil, you played Bob Fossil in The Mighty Boosh. I did not. I played, I played him one night. Yeah, that's, that's good enough for me. One night on a live uh, <laughs> read-through of the Boosh's script yeah. at the Hen and Chickens, and, and I think Rich Fulcher was either waiting for his visa or something, or, or, or couldn't be in the country, so I read the lines out on a piece of paper. That's it. Don't and put, I did, did it terribly. Don't put yourself down, mate. That's, you, were Bob Fossil. you were Bob Fossil in the Mighty Boosh, and that's why you're here tonight. <laughs> and uh, I'm disappointed that that's yeah. all this you seem to be able to say about it, because it's going to be a very awkward hour now. Not, <laughs> that's all I had for you. Um, you've done some other stuff as well. It's lovely to see yeah. you. Um, in fact, we, I, we were, I mentioned um, on uh, Twitter about uh, that I'd been re-watching Garth Marenghi, because it's yes. on... It's on um, it's on all four. If you're listening in America, it's on Amazon Prime. It's just been released on Amazon Prime. It, it's, uh, I'm not it, stripping, by the way. I'm just taking my coat off. That's okay. You know, I was so it doesn't say, go... <laughs> yeah. I was going to say you're not going to feel the benefit of that if you keep that on yeah. uh, during the interview. <laughs> it's lovely to see someone turn up in an anorak, though. That is, that is nice. Some of us dressed up. You know how much the suit costs now as well. So, you hear last. Um, so... But no, it's, it's an incredible amount of love for that. And it was really lovely to watch it. I watched it at the time. And, you know, I liked it a lot, but it's, it's in that fug of jealousy of having <laughs> been on TV recently and seeing new people coming and taking my place. <laughs> I probably uh, yeah. judged it more harshly than I should have done. But no, I didn't realise. But watching it again, I think it really stands up. And it's just as funny, if not funnier. And I was saying to you backstage, I wonder if it had come out maybe five years later over the time would have been ripe because that's sort of almost what happened right that is yes we well it, it kind of went out and and um didn't really do much at all i think we were lucky um i think people i think you know people discovered it on youtube essentially yeah. i think you know piracy basically found us our audience yeah so yeah, that was when uh, yeah that was really i think where people where most people saw it i think yeah yeah. And so it's got this life and yeah. this, this kind of cult status, but annoyingly, a bit too late. A to, bit too late. To not, bring it not, back. not on. <laughs> not in time to, to yeah. help me out in any way. But uh, <laughs> but I see. I also I saw it in um, I saw it in Edinburgh first of all. So I think yeah. I was a th I was a bit of a snob about wanting it to be the the stage version yes. on TV, which you'd made a, a, the decision not to do. The stage version, I have to say. Uh, I'm not sure if I saw both of them or I saw one of them, but I remember laughing at it more than I've laughed at anything else in the Edinburgh Fringe. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because we, the, what they were saying, we did one version of it on stage and then everyone was saying at that point, I hope you don't do it for stage again, what, right. even though we were obviously doing it on stage. So it was kind of, it, yeah, it's, it was good. Yeah, what am I saying? I don't know. It was hard work. Um, yeah. Uh, so, but it was, so it started out as an Edinburgh, Edinburgh Fringe show that, Edinburgh won, Fringe, that yeah. nominated for the Perrier, then the next year won the Perrier. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just it was. I think does it come from? Um, it seems to me that looking at your whole career over the whole thing from the beginning to the end, you you grew up in Whitstable. Yeah. 
And uh, you were, Peter Cushing lived in, in He did, yes. And used to cycle around in Whitstable. He did cycle around a lot in Whitstable. Uh, my friend Ben Moore would tell me about that, who was mm. also from Whitstable. Uh, and uh, you met him as a young, as a quite young man. I did, I did. I... And did, was that what sparked your interest, or was your interest in the horror stuff beforehand? Well, I was all, already interested in that stuff, and I suppose, you know, my, I mean, my, I can remember my mum introducing, we, me and my brother, we were very little, and we saw him outside the bookshop in the high street, which was called Pyrian Cavenders, and, uh, and we were absolutely obsessed with him because of Star Wars and, and, uh, and mainly because of the Hammer horror films that we were routinely watching every Friday, Saturday night. So my mum went over and said, oh, Mr. Cushing, you know, I have my two sons here who um, are huge fans of yours, uh, of your films. And he just sort of looked at us both and he said, what, what films are they? <laughs> They're watching like that. And I think he was genuinely quite, quite uh, shocked that we, were, we knew him for his Hammer work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So... Do you think that, do you think, because it, it, you've obviously moved on and, and you to do more kind of horror stuff yeah. more recently, which we'll talk about later. And, and obviously the Garth Marenghi stuff came out of that sort of Stephen King-esque author, yeah. but a, bit, a sort of bit more of a, is it, import, is it possibly more a self-important version of Stephen King? I think so. It was kind yeah. of all, all of those guys together, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it, was, was that crucible there? Was you being formed at that moment? Did you were you sort of preparing for this life in horror as a as a tiny? Well, I, child? I mean, I'd always I'd always been um, always a huge fan of horror, and I always used to just get up, as I say, get up on the uh, Saturday morning, having recorded them the, the night before, and and sort of watch them with my brother on on Betamax tapes the next morning. And in fact, we actually watched Alien that way, um, but we were so terrified that we would be like playing it through at double speed to get over the frightening bit, then rewinding it and watching it at normal speed. So that's actually how the first, first way I, I, I watched Alien, actually, was that. But yeah, I'd seen kind of most of the nasty ones yeah. very young. But, but that was kind of how it was then. We, I remember going to a friend's um, birthday party, and after we'd had our games and sandwiches, um, his elder brother just pulled out American Werewolf in London, and we watched that. <laughs> and this, I think he was seven or eight at that age, so that's how old I was when I saw that. Yeah. Do you remember the bit with Jenny Agatha in the shower? I do remember that. that bit, wasn't it? That's a gut. Do my remember that. Bit. We all got food poisoning that Did night. you? Oh, yeah. Not related to Not that, related. But, to, no, yeah. It's not disparaging no. Jenny Agatha in any way. Um, Bad sandwich. Do <laughs> you know? But it's interesting. I think we were we, I, we sort of video nasties came in when I was at like probably thir 12, 13, 14. Yeah. I mean, I was I was thinking our surprise. I was just back in Somerset and I was thinking all the stuff we got up to that my parents. I don't know if they knew or they just turned a blind. I don't know. We used to go to Wells and uh, Wells and watch. Sort of X films yeah. at the Odeon somehow get in as thirteen and fourteen. Year I don't olds. think I don't think my parents, for example, cared. I mean, I know well they did care, but they didn't realise. I think they knew we were taping this stuff and watching it. But I did get. I mean, I know they were called into my school at one point because all I would write are horror stories. That's right. all I wrote. Where every every single bit of creative prose that I wrote at school were all involved Dracula, Frankenstein, or whatever. And they <laughs> they ended up calling my parents in saying we're a bit concerned because this is all he writes like that and. And then they went, oh, yeah, that'll be the horror films we're letting him watch. <laughs> <laughs> but then you were clearly... In, it's, it's a chicken and egg thing, isn't it? I'm just, that's what I'm sort of getting at. That I wonder whether, even subconsciously, if you knew that Peter Cushing was in your town. You know, it's just a Maybe, coincidence. Yeah. But, but you, if you were obviously fascinated by it. And some kids are, and some kids aren't. Some kids yeah. love that danger and the horror and being scared. And some kids... I mean, I was a bit... I think when I was that, that young, I was... Absolutely terrified. I have to say, I watched uh, <laughs> your film uh, and uh, was uh, was similarly terrified. But it is, it stuck with me a little bit in in, in my head. But uh, which is possible. I don't. Yes, I, I mean, I don't generally recommend people watch it. Actually, really? Gen genuinely, because yeah. it's it, yeah, it's quite unpleasant. So yeah, it's yeah. not funny at all either. You've really gone off the boil since. <laughs> if you think that's funny, there's oh. something wrong with you. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it, it's, well, it's, it's a fascinating sort of progression, but I, but I think we had a very similar up, upbringing in terms of, I've, I've read you sort of were, you got into Monty Python, you did the typical yeah. into Monty Python, learning all the more off yes. by heart, being an yeah. annoying nerd, failing to get off with Gwyneth Paltrow, even though it worked for, in sliding <laughs> doors uh, for, for that guy. Um, and uh, and then you know what wanting to wanting to go to Cambridge in order to 
do the footlights? Well, right. there were like three phases of what I wanted to do. First of all was, I don't know, probably just watch horror films. That's probably all I really wanted to do. I don't think I ever thought of writing them, although I did write lots of nasty stories, things like that. Then, then I wanted to be... A, a rock star. Yep. <laughs> and I went through that phase <laughs> and I wore a white boiler suit to school thinking I could pull off the Pete Townsend 1968 look um, and wore something else the next day. Um, <laughs> and, and then I remember thinking, well, maybe I won't make it as a rock star, so I'll, I'll try something else. And then I went, then that's when I kind of got into comedy and wanted yeah. To, to go, yeah, go to you. And it was, it was sort of one of those golden periods. I don't know, people have this idea of uh, Oxbridge comedy, that everyone who goes to Oxbridge and does comedy... Is a wanker. A, a is a wanker, and yeah. B gets their own TV shows. But yeah. actually, it's quite rare that these little clumps of sort of talent turn up and they seem to I've talked to other people who've been to other universities where that happens every now and again uh, Bristol and, um, mm. and weirdly Durham had a, a, a huge a huge amount of people a few years ago uh, and you were, you were there at the same time as uh, Mitchell and Webb and Richard A. Oddy obviously and uh, John Oliver as well yeah. at the same yeah, time yeah. so you had this kind of a, I would imagine, quite competitive Very environment competitive. to get into the footlights yeah. with those people. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love having done it and I loved meeting everyone uh, and working with everyone. But, you know, it was obviously no one was who they are now in terms of their level of success or anything. So you, you, they're just people that are annoying you and you're annoying them. <laughs> and you're wanting to, you know, everyone wants to be the funniest person on the stage and all that. And probably everyone is a bit, uh, I think, obnoxious at that point. Yeah. But that's how, that's how it kind of, that's how it works, I think. You know, yeah. that's how uh, you end up doing stuff together. I mean, I remember going around to... This is, a, this is funny, this is quite embarrassing to admit, but I knew that David was probably in line to be in Footlights, and, and he was the other person in my year. So I remember going round to David's room at Porter, uh, uh, Peterhouse, I think it was, and sort of asking him, um, hi David, you probably don't know me, I've, I've done a couple of comedy, oh yes, I, yes, I, do, I do know of you, yes. <laughs> I went, well, I wondered, you know, I was just thinking, you know, we both want to get into Footlights, maybe we should do a show together, you know. And he went, well, that's awfully nice for you to come around, Matthew, and suggest that, but I'm actually doing one with Rob Webb next week. <laughs> so that was, um, so he was kind of already yeah. on to that. And that's, that, but is, that is how it kind of worked there. It was, you know, everyone very keen to put on shows. And it was wonderful because you could do a smoker pretty much each week and, you know, you would be on doing material and to a live audience, you know, as often as you wanted to, really. And, and that is something that I, that I do miss, because that was, that was good fun. And it was, you know, um, I would be terrified doing that now, I think. But. And it's good for the creative process, because I think you would, in comedy clubs and stand-up clubs, you tend to do the same thing and hone the same yeah. bit of material over several years. But in that environment, you're sort of encouraged to be coming up with new stuff every yeah, and it, it's a good discipline because you are exactly that's exactly it. You you couldn't do the same thing the next week. You would you would have to come up with something new, and that's actually. I mean, it was that's where I first did Garth. Actually, mm. Garth Marenghi was a, was in a smoker at university. So, you know, that was that was when I first did that. So yeah, it was you know useful, very useful space to to kind of start working on on things. Sure, and. So, like, there's a Guardian interview with you and uh, uh, or a, a piece about you uh, calling you the lost boy of comedy. <laughs> were, you, were, do you, were you ever aware that you were lost or did you know where you were? <laughs> no. Um, no, I kind of knew. Uh, yeah, I, I sort of lost interest, I think, yeah. in, in, in that side of things. I, you know, and I, I kind of wasn't that keen on, on sort of just... Um, doing stuff for the sake of doing it, just to be, I suppose, to be, uh, you know, famous or something like that. I never really found that to be much of a, uh, yeah, it just it, that, did, that didn't didn't interest me particularly. Yeah. But it, it meant it was a lot harder because I didn't, you know, it was much harder to find work. Yeah, <laughs> you know? but you, you have con It's not true because you have sort of constantly been, you know, you you pop up in nearly everything yeah, yeah. over those. 10, 15 years before, uh, after McGuffin. It's sort of that weird thing. It's sort of doubly weird, I think, in your case, because it was like a show you did that's perceived as being a huge success that at the time was not necessarily like no. perceived as being a big success. So it's yeah. sort of that, it's got that, that weird element to it. But you were so fastidious about comedy. Like, I've, I've, you stayed in character. 
you all stayed in character in all your interviews and all your yeah. photo shoots. Yes, we did. We the poor bloody photographer that um, did our they took photos of us for our first Edinburgh run, and we were you know we were uh, we just thought well, we've got to you know must stay in character, must do that. So this guy took our photos, and we were treating him awfully because it was Garth basically saying, <laughs> "Can you can you come over here and just can you stand there? And, you know, can, can we do that again? That's not my good side, and all of that." So. And he was just sort of very patiently kind of, you know, okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> and we felt so bad at the end that I just sort of went up and said, I'm, I'm really oh, sorry, I'm really sorry. I'm, yeah, I, I am in character. He goes, yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know you're in character. And I went, oh, I'm really sorry. He said, no, no good, good luck to you all. <laughs> but he was, he was, yeah, lovely chap. But it's, sort of, it's, a, it's a sort of mature step, and you were young to sort of step away from it. And most comedians aren't mature enough to, I mean, I know you're not exactly so, but to even like step back a little bit from it. it well, it's, it, it kind of happened in a different way, I suppose, because we did a follow-up show which just didn't, didn't work as well. And it was... It, it, um, what we really wanted to do was a second series of Dark Place, but um, unfortunately Channel 4 didn't think it worked and, and wanted us to do something that was a easier to understand, they said. So we ended up doing an, an interview show which was just not which was just kind of to be to be blunt i suppose just a bit half-baked in comparison yeah. you know because i wasn't excited about it and i don't think richard was as either particularly and we felt like we were having to make something that we didn't really want to make and it and it unfortunately didn't didn't do as well i think it was that it was like why i felt like why put why would you put in all that effort for something that you're not really Sure. think is the right thing to be doing you know what i mean i do and i think you were unlucky in that i think tv was changing tv comedy was changing yeah, yeah and it was changing away from doing interesting ideas and sitcoms and anything like that really to being panel shows or especially with channel four i think at that time to sort of more sketchy shows and more kind of shock shows yeah that kind of misunderstood chris morris yeah. and just did a horrible version of chris morris which was just nasty rather than satirical uh and uh, and yeah maybe it didn't fit into into that I don't think it. I, I still don't think it fits. I don't think it's odd. It's it's, it's just a, a weird show, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's a weird show. Yeah. It's are we are we which one are we talking about the second one or, or the first? <laughs> the, both, the, of them. both of them. But yeah. when, you know, Garth Marenghi is like a, is a weird show. But I mean, it's not not you know, compared to the Mighty Boosh or something like that. It's it's sort of in the same yeah same yeah. same world as that. So it 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 should be understand. It's not like complicated. I mean, I watched it again. It's not complicated. No. It's just a nuts. Hospital where supernatural yeah. things happen, uh, based on based on. The, well, I was interested in what you see. You saying I was talking to you backstage. I mean, I I got obsessed with Diagnosis Murder, which is Dick Van Dyke and his son, um, and uh, and uh, Charchi from <laughs> from Happy Days, um, solving crimes even though they work in a hospital, which I thought that's got to be the main influence for this hospital-based thing. I think there were lo there were lots. I mean, Rich and I watched so much stuff. We watched uh, uh, Quincy. We watched T.J. Hooker. We watched a lot of stuff that wasn't really that horror based. And you say T.J. Hooker. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, that's quite an obscure show that I do remember. Which William Shatner. Is so, yeah. So it's a it's a cop show. T.J. Hooker is a cop show. William Shatner is a disgruntled right wing cop. And. Um, <laughs> Roman, is it Romano, his his partner, who was essentially Sanchez in our heads, you know, right. and and I think yeah, I think there's four of them. I think. Right. But, but it was kind of it was that idea, the way they did those shows then, it was just very, you know, no nonsense. And uh, in fact, I was there's a I've just started watching V, the original oh, yeah. V miniseries, and and the first, I mean, the first two minutes of that is hilarious. You just can't believe that people would get away with that kind of script and that kind of delivery it's brilliant it's absolutely amazing <laughs> it was but people were obsessed with that show it was yeah. it was on during it was during the year the olympics got cancelled wasn't it and it became i think itv bought it in to yes that's replace right. the olympics so yeah. everyone watched it and it was yeah. yeah we were terrified by that and thought it was amazing yeah and don't tell me it wasn't good <laughs> well i've still not seen it you see okay. so I, this actually one i didn't see no so I've, I've got it lined up do you th what I was going to ask you was, do you ever see the possibility of doing a possum Garth Marenghi <laughs> crossover? Because the possum, which is, if you haven't seen it, which you probably, some of you won't have seen it, it's got a kind of terrifying, I mean, puppet, it's sort of meant to be a puppet 
Yeah, it's it's a sort of it's a, a spider. It's a, it's a sort of spider with with a Sean Harris head. Yeah, that's basically. I, and mean, I, I don't mean that as a disparaging comment <laughs> against Sean. He stars in the film, so it's, and it is a copy of his face. So yes. it's it's quite literally. I a, mean, it's terrifying. Ill, yeah, but it's not that different from the little eye child, the one eye child. No. Well, that's it. And actually, I mean, that's that's. Uh, there, there, there was a lot of stuff that literally was... Sorry, not literally. There's lots of stuff that was filmed that couldn't put in because it did look just, just look very silly. Yeah. That's the thing. It's kind of, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the spinal tap. It's a very fine line. It is a fine line, but it's... I mean, it's not... Possum is definitely not... Fun. There's not a moment in Possum that you're thinking, ah, oh, this is funny. So you managed to cut those bits out. I did cut it those is, bits it out. It isn't funny. And but I'll a, put those bits in with a Garth version. Yeah, we'll, put them into the. Did 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 you find it hard to for to, for you know the press and people's response to it to be to move away from comedy into horror? It was easier to do that. I'd spent I'd spent years sort of wasting time really working on. I did a short film called A Gun for George, which was a sort of crime. Started off as a. a, a I, I kind of wanted to do a, a comedy uh, crime thing in the same way that I'd done Dark Place, but actually in the making of the film it became a much more serious uh, short film. And, and then I spent ages trying to turn that into a feature version, a feature film version, and could never quite pull it off because tonally it, it was half comedy and half not, and I couldn't quite get the balance. But I wasted so much time doing that that then... The people who were funding it, just, can you just make it all out broad comedy and, and at least give us some return on our investment? <laughs> and I and and I realised then it was a lot harder to to move from doing comedy stuff into a serious film, which is really the way I wanted to take it. Um, so I found that difficult for a long time, trying to to get my head in a different space and 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 get people, I suppose, to to take what I was doing as as a as a serious work. And I thought I would have that problem with possum but oddly enough i think because it was horror um it was less of a leap for people so it didn't seem that difficult going from doing comedy horror to serious horror because people sort of lump it all in oh it's that hot you know so it 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 felt easier it was easier to do that than it was something completely different and was it as horrifying to was it troublesome to film because it's a troublesome subject and uh, sean stayed in stayed in character character which yes. i see i I can't. What was that like to have someone in the character of that character, and you're trying to? Do, can you direct them? You're allowed to say, do it in a different way if they're in character. How do they respond to that in the method? Well, yes. I mean, I would have to say, you know, can you do it in a different way, character name rather than Sean? Right. You know, okay. So yes, it was. You know, I, it's odd. You have to. It was a bit of a learning curve because, I, you know, coming from comedy where you can kind of just say to whoever's doing it, that was a shit one, wasn't it? Should we do that again? <laughs> like that. And they'll go, would you think it was shit? Okay, we'll do it again. But everyone's essentially fine with... I, I, very early on, I learned that you, that's not how you treat proper actors. <laughs> you know, you kind of... It's, so I, I sort of knew that a little bit going into the film. But it was, you know, it was a very depressing shoot, I have yeah. to be honest, because it was, yeah, pretty, pretty intense... And uh, and that's that's what Sean needed to have in it, you know, in order to to be that be that character. Sure. Um, but yes, it was it was pretty pretty dark, I have to say. And the, and you know, there are certain scenes in the film which were very tough to film. And uh, and yeah, I think everyone sort of went home very depressed and thought, <laughs> thank God that one's over. Let's let's <laughs> let's do some of the exteriors tomorrow. I should say it's really good and you should watch it despite what matthew says it's it's amazing but it were but i think also it's that it is you've got that feel of that horror and it does it is reminiscent of that 70s the, the childhood thing of 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 something sticking with you yeah and and you thinking i might dream about this tonight and i'm not very happy about yeah. that so it's got proper it's properly it, it creeps into you in the same way that the puppet does and i know that you, you there was an influence of public information films yeah well, they used to play them all the time when I was um, a kid and, uh, you know, very old ones as well, but, but they would play them between children's programming yeah. and we'd get played them at school and they were absolutely terrifying. And in fact, there was one that terrified me so much about a guy who, um, he's, there are different bits of his life and each, each scene from his life as he goes from a baby to, to a middle-aged man is people basically just feeding him more. 
and saying, um, go on, have another one. Go on, have another. Go on, you're not having a half. Have a full pint. And I saw that one about 10 times. And it ends with him in a hospital bed with his heart monitor going, um, with, you know, eating too much. Not that it's really terrified me into not eating, <laughs> evidently. But it stuck with me. And I couldn't find it for years because I bought all these DVDs of old public information films. I couldn't find it. And then some very kind uh, guy on the internet found it and, and said, no, you haven't been, you know, making it up. It's not a, a nightmare come to life. It, is, it did exist. Here it is. And, of course, it's hilarious. You look at it now and it's, you know, I can't remember. this some famous actor in it. I can't remember who he is. But, um, but it's a really... You know, that for children, it's terrifying. It was sort of weird, and they do stick with you. Every yeah. time I go past an electric substation, <laughs> I think of the guy, there's a guy who chucked his frisbee in That's and then right. climbs up. Yeah. And literally every time, there's one quite near my house, and every time I go past it, I think about not climbing in there <laughs> after a frisbee. I think they were great things. I actually think we should, we should still have them. They should have made some for, you know, the pandemic. It would have been a lot easier to, to know what to do if there was some proper <laughs> public true. information films. It's true. You know. It is true. And, the, and, and again, it's sort of not the... I know it's not the influence on the film, but there was, you've made these comments about how a lot of these public information films, in hindsight, they're fronted by mm. Rolf Harris and Jimmy Savile. Yeah. Uh, who, uh, <laughs> who are more dangerous than the thing that yeah. they're... That's right. And, and in fact, we, you know, um, I was actually playing one of them uh, to my daughter the other day. We were just go, sort of zipping through this Charlie Says DVD because she was quite interested. And, uh, and I actually thought, you know, some of them, the, 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 they stand up. You know, they're, they're, they're worth children, it's worth children seeing them, I think. Anyway, I wasn't forcing her to watch them or anything <laughs> like that. But he came on and, and, and my partner and I just looked at each other. And our daughter was going, who's this funny man? Like that. <laughs> going, just, we'll just speed on. We won't yeah. talk about that one. It's a shame he scrambled his way to the bank. That's what I say. It's a shame he didn't die. <laughs> yeah. Rolf Harris and that crew. Do you remember? Somehow I managed to scramble my way to the bank. <laughs> Couldn't swim. Frightened the wits out of my mum and dad. You can bet they have me. I couldn't fucking remember everything. <laughs> I've tried. The other day I started singing the theme tune to Welcome Back Cotter. Do you remember Welcome Back Cotter? I yeah. don't remember Welcome Back Cotter. <laughs> I know the entire theme tune to Welcome Back Cotter. It was an American sitcom from the 1970s. The only notable thing about it was John Travolta was in it, and that's the only thing I can remember about it. In my mind, I can remember Cotter. I went to look it up. In my mind, African American. Teacher, moustache, he's white, completely white. So I, all I can remember is the entire theme song, word for word. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, got, I got the first line wrong because I thought, you know, before the internet, you couldn't Google anything, so you just had to make up your own, if you couldn't understand <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. So I thought the first line was, Welcome back, your dreams are all ticking out. I thought that was the words. <laughs> but I listened to it again, and it's your, your dreams were your ticket out. But I knew, I knew all the rest. I looked at it and I'd got all the words basically right. One little bit I couldn't remember. And why did I start singing it? I didn't even watch it. <laughs> Do you have stuff like that? You've got a favourite? Well, I've, I, I'm, well, I've reached those years where I, I think I know the lyrics to stuff and, <laughs> and I clearly don't. But I, what was the... Oh, no, I can't even remember this. It's not... Move on, Richard. I can't remember. Okay. It's, it's going to be you remember? an anecdote that just dies. You're a bit like younger than me, but there was a lot of... The other one that I remember the entire theme tune to is The Lost Islands. Do you remember The Lost Islands? Oh, I'm looking at young people. <laughs> there once was a lonely man who had a one, no, wealthy man who had a wonderful idea to get children of all races with all kinds of faces together into a sailing ship. There were 40 boys and girls. They would sail the ship around the world. Globe, so they called it the United World. It honestly goes on forever. The song. It's one of the best opening titles you've ever got because it tells you the whole. And I what? It's all on YouTube, and they don't. It's all in the theme tune, and they just start it after the theme tune. They get blown across the reef. Who remembers the Lost Islands? I'd be great if, if you know, if if people just remembered. I could have Peter Kay's job if people just remembered the things I remember. <laughs> It doesn't work as well when people don't remember it. People don't want to pay to see that. So that's, that's that. <laughs> but it's kind of not, it's weird the way, I mean, I think there's, there's a similarity in that 
those horror films, the things you see, the Tales of Witness Madness is the one I kept on seeing again and again, which is one of those, uh, one where it's three or four different stories that yeah. all come together yeah. at the end. And I'd always see that when I was coming home late or, you know, or even as a kid, you'd yeah. see it. And that really stuck in my mind. And the images from that stick in your mind. And I guess that's sort of what's, what's happened with you, that you've seen these... Yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing Jaws for the first time. I can remember the bowl of crisps that I was eating when I saw Quint spit <laughs> blood out. Yeah. Because I couldn't, literally couldn't have... They just someone seemed to hand me this bowl of crisps just as he sort of went... <laughs> and and I, I can, they were bright white, very white crisps. They were obviously cheap. They were probably yellow label, because that's all we got. And, um, and they were sort of like... They don't make them anymore, but they're, they're almost like bones, bone shape. They're the oh, white, yeah. bony crisps that they forced upon us back yeah. in the day but, they, but I couldn't eat them well this, it was the wrong choice for Jaws wasn't it that yeah. was that was a well, unwise choice the ship was just three weeks from shore <laughs> when a hurricane bore down the waves were as big as mountains they thought they would surely drown they gathered up the children and rode away from the wreck they didn't count them there wasn't time three children were left behind like this. Yeah. It's honestly about five verses long, and that's the opening titles. It's so good. <laughs> I, I want to make I want to make the modern Lost Islands with you. Let's do it. All right, okay. Even though you haven't seen it and no. don't know what it is, I'm sold. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk to you cool. about, which I thought was a great show and that had an amazing cast, which is the sort of the first thing you did out of university, I'm guessing, was Bruiser. Bruiser, yes. Which um, which was it was you. It was um, it was. Uh, Paul, oh no, that's not it. Was um, the where have I got? I've got it written down somewhere. I was going. Robin gonna, David. It's Robin David. Tim from the Office. Yes, Martin. Yeah, and Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. It's pretty good. And Charlotte um, Hudson. Yeah, Charlotte yeah. Hudson. It, well, I really remember loads. There was a ventriloquist dummy character in that. There was a ventriloquist, didn't it? Yes, Martin did yeah. that. Yes, yes. So that's I remember that. Because yep. I'm obsessed with ventriloquist dummies. Yep. As, you know, that's why I thought Possum was going to be a fun <laughs> film. Um, what, what, would, were you aware that this was a, like an amazing cast at the time? Did that no, say, not with, at all, no. Uh, um, no, 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 because we weren't. You know, we were just, that was literally the first, I think, the first show we did. When did it go? It went out quite late at night. It was 1999 it? or 2000, I yeah. think. Um, and it did go out quite late. I, I remember going home to my flat and asking my landlord if I could just watch it, and he said no. <laughs> <laughs> he was watching TV, and I said, but it's, I'm in it. He said, that's all right, you can record it, can't you? Something like that. Wow. So, yeah, I didn't actually see it go out the first okay. time. But, um, but, yes, it was, uh, it was yeah, our first, our first job. I mean, job. imagine going back to the people who decommissioned that and saying now and going, look, who, look at all these people who are in this. Yeah, it was. I, I, have you seen it? I, I remember watching it and enjoying it and thought it was pretty good because I think it was, you know, it was a bit out there. It was a bit, you know, all sketch shows are a little bit variable and like late night, whatever it was, ITV, Channel 4. Yeah, it was BBC, it was. Oh, it? BBC. I think, yeah. <laughs> One of them. Channel 5. Channel 5, live TV. Or Dave, yeah. could have been on Dave. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you know, I, it was. It was Nice, nice to do because it was the first bit of work. It was um, good, good experience. First time working in with cameras and crew and all of that. But and written by written Stephen, by lots of people. Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais. I think so. Yeah, lots, lots of people. It was a huge, huge group of people writing it. Um, uh, yes. It's funny though, isn't it? It's, I mean, it sort of is funny when you and we'll get onto the office because you're in the office as well. Yeah. But it, it's funny how the the. The bit of luck that is involved in something turning over and becoming like a classic thing, which I, oh, I often talk about that with The Office and that The Office, sort of the BBC, weren't yeah. really behind it. And it was actually other people saying this is good and yeah. it getting a repeat that was when it suddenly took off. Yeah. And there's just that little bit of luck. Yeah, I think, I mean, it feels like it's, I, th I feel like, you know, it feels like luck is, is hugely important because there's stuff that, you know, it, I don't think you can predict what's what's going to take off and what's not at all. No. So you could just you just have to keep kind of working as and when you can, really. Yeah. And with the office, where you played yeah. uh, Simon, the yes. IT guy, yep. was that a character that you had created beforehand? Because it seemed no. it was a, out of all the like vignette characters, it seemed like 
it seemed like this is something that's come from somewhere else. That's <coughs> well, I'd, I'd, I'd played a similar character in Bruiser. There, right. there was a, a kind of internet nerd um, in that who was uh, based on a flatmate of ours that we used to... Uh, I didn't write it, but um, it was based on someone we knew. Um, and I don't know whether Ricky and Stephen had whether that influenced them in, in creating that. I have no idea. It may well be, you know, the lots of these types, I'm sure it was, you know, independently came about. But, but I knew that I'd sort of played a similar character and they probably thought, oh, you know, he, he's, he's probably suited to that. So, but yeah, no, it was, I suppose I'm, <laughs> I always like, you know, just assholes, really. <laughs> you know, I enjoy playing them. So yeah. it was, yeah, it was quite good fun to do. And it was, what, was that in the first series of The Office or both? Series? Second. Second, think, yeah. yeah. Second. So it was already, it was already quite a big deal by the time yeah. you were, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, it's sort of, The Office is so fascinating and I think in terms of, I mean, it's unbelievable it's, what's it's, happened to yeah, that show. yeah. But it's still, I mean, I mean, kind of, I suppose for us, and you probably knew this as well, we, we kind of knew it was a very special show, and, yeah. and particularly his performance, Ricky's performance. And I think, you know, if you put it on now, it, that still is very, very clear that that is a proper classic. You know, yeah. it's a classic comic character. It's, you know, it's absolutely wonderful. Um, and I, I think, yeah, it's odd because a lot of these things, you, you know, they, they become very popular and you, you wonder if it's really going to, if it's just the time, you know, and if yeah. it's going to actually last. But I think that one certainly is, yeah, is great. Yeah. But, you know, it is part, it's partly being, it's the right place, right time. It's everything. Yeah. It's a few things have got to come together. Yeah. And sometimes they don't. It's, but it's sort of, would you... I mean, it, it, obviously, you'd rather have something that was a huge success and made you <laughs> millions of pounds. But as an artist, <laughs> would you rather have the kind of... What the Garth Marenghi has, I think it's sort of so special that, like, that 20 years on, mm. or nearly 20 years on, that people are, are still that into something that was, was you know, was a, was a very kind of underground hit. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I... What I loved about doing about it is we were basically allowed to do what we wanted, effectively, which is, which wouldn't happen now, I don't think. And we were very blessed in that they let, you know, we hadn't hadn't really had much TV experience, but they let us, you know, create it, write it, and direct it, and edit it together. Um, so we were very fortunate, and I think the, it was just very sad not to, to have that chance again, I think. Um, and I think that... The, the struggle, it would be lovely. I would be perfectly happy working on um, anything that was, you know, very small, not, not particularly popular, as long as I could do it regularly. But I think the problem is, is there just aren't that opportunity. So you spend most of your professional life hoping to get another chance <laughs> yeah. to sort of do something. And I think that's the thing, you know, if you could kind of keep at it, because you get, you know, you obviously get better the more you do and you want to practice and you want to, you know, keep, keep working on stuff. I think that's the, that's the difficult thing about choosing stuff that's not got immediate appeal is that, you know, there aren't, there aren't many opportunities to, to experiment and just, you know, unlike in, you know, when we, you know, I suppose like the Pythons and that were, could do that and 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 got better and better at it yeah, yeah. and i think it's that it would be brilliant if if i knew i could get up each day and and work on something but it's that's the that's the difficulty i think well you know i think you and i have had a sort of you know not the same by any means but a sort of similar decade and a half where we've been writing a lot of things yeah <laughs> and you know the truth is most of it never sees yeah. the light of day and it's yeah. it's a very frustrating way to live and I find it just increasingly you still seem to get up and and do stuff and and mainly be writing I find the writing thing so hard now just because yeah. it's I, I think this the you know it's it's like being, like something keeps punching you in the face and you keep going back to it you know it's <laughs> it's it's quite a, it's quite a difficult thing to to put yourself through that but it's odd because I think like in a sim, in a sort of different but similar way I mean I, I'm more comfortable sitting writing but I found that I've become less comfortable getting out and probably doing stuff like this okay. you know I, I'm because I haven't performed on stage for so long yeah and I kind of envy like you and people like you could sort of going out and still doing stuff yeah. whereas you know I'm I'm more comfortable stuck in a room <laughs> and closing the door and putting on yeah know. and you live in Norwich I live in Norwich I live, I yeah yeah <laughs> you could have lived anywhere in the world, Matthew. Why did you? Why did you? <laughs> You're a writer. You don't have to live. You can live anywhere. Why would you live in Norwich? Norwich is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it's going down well with the people in here, but once we're... Once this is out in the world, <laughs> the cheers will be coming for a different... <laughs> it is fantastic. It is. What do you, what do you like best about Norwich? Um, it, well, I just like... I, I like everything about <laughs> it. Um, it's always been a very friendly city. Yeah. I, I found very friendly. Um, there's, it's got a real you know, sense of itself. There's tons of stuff. It loves writers. It's it's very creative place. It's just brilliant. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Good. I like the fact it's still, it's still its own. I travel around the UK a lot and most towns you go to could be the same town you were just in. Yeah. But when you're in Norwich, you know you're in Norwich. And there's hardly, there's hardly, there's, it's the smell. Uh, <laughs> they don't make mustard here anymore. It can't be that. So it's, uh, <laughs> um, but no, it is. It's, most places have just become homogenised, and you know, I'm not saying that there, yeah. there's still some shops on the high street that you know from other places. But you're in the shopping centre in most places, and and you would, wouldn't yeah. know where you were. Whereas I think in Norwich, you go, okay, this is. There's not this shop anywhere else. That's right. There's not the severed hand of a man from the 15th century in a museum, <laughs> mummified anywhere else. That's no one. <laughs> anyone else would have thrown that in the bin. Not Norwich. Let me ask you some, uh, I'm going to ask you some new emergency questions. Let me see, I'll let me, what have I got in the back of this book, first of all? Because I think there might be a... I want to ask you, um, if you, of all the art galleries and museums in the world, got together and said, we love Matthew Holness, we want to get, let him have one thing of his choice from any art gallery or museum, is there one thing, don't, you can't choose the hand, oh. that you would... <laughs> that you would like to have from uh, anywhere. It can be an artefact or a p painting or a sculpture. Or... Can I have the, the yeah, the, the, the Anglo-Saxon mask from Sutton Hoo? Yeah. Yeah? You can, except I, like I would that. quite like it, but yeah, you can. Yeah. I can't go there now because everyone's turning up to Sutton Hoo. They I don't want to look like the guy who went because of the I'll Netflix. take the mask and, and go off somewhere myself and just wear, wear it for a bit. Yeah. It's a good mask. It's a good mask. Yeah. How big do you think it is? And like, it's quite... They were much smaller then, I think they, they were so... small. I think we're both quite big-headed men. <laughs> I think we'd, we'd try and get it on and it would break, yeah. bits would fall off. And it's quite fallen apart. I anyway. might need to get it, yeah, widened. <laughs> yeah. Can you widen this? It's a good choice. There's some good stuff. In, there was yeah. some, but there was a lot of good stuff in Sutton Who? There's, it's, it's brilliant, it's yes. A, yeah. But I've just read... Um, I've just read some Anglo-Saxon poetry. Have you? And I, uh, <laughs> and, um, lockdown going well for you, eh? <laughs> it's been a good lockdown. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, yeah. I tried to learn Old English recently. That Did is you? something I tried to do. I got to. I think I, I, I got a book on teach yourself Old English, and I think I got here was Edward. Or something, and this, this here. It's Edward. no good just saying English no. words in a funny way. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> we can all do that. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I wasn't very good at it. What did you study at, at university? I studied English. You did. So they, you <laughs> but so I you but because I didn't. you do all Beowulf and. I did. Well, no, I didn't because that, that was Oxford, you see. Oh, okay. You did Old English, but we, I we had to history. start from. We started Middle English. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do Beowulf because oh, I, did okay. I didn't really do any history either. <laughs> so that was, the, that was the. I just did comedy. <laughs> and I don't know how I got away. Right, I'm going to ask you this. Look, the one that's come up is like a very, very uh, horror inspired question. Would you rather be in prison for a murder that you didn't commit or for a murder that you did commit? Depends who I've killed. Um, <laughs> no, I'd rather be in prison for not having murdered someone. Okay, yeah. that's nice of you. Don't want to, you know, prison's one thing, hell's another. <laughs> okay, like, that's know. fine. Do you, think you're, do, you think there's, do you think there's a hell? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Who decides who gets Maybe in? this is the hell. <laughs> who could be? <laughs> in fact, Kipling and, and, and H. Ryder Haggard had this very conversation. Did they? Yes, and they discussed whether they were both firmly of the belief that this is hell and we are... The life experience is us paying for our okay. sins in a, in a former life. Yeah, that could be true. Did Kipling and that other bloke you said ask, <laughs> have a discussion about this? Would you rather own a car with Jimmy Carr, a lorry with Laurie Anderson, or a van with Van Morrison? Did they talk about that? Did they have that discussion? 
I'll probably go for the car with Jimmy Carr because he's got a very good memory. Yeah. He has got a memory. He, he will remember someone that he's spoken to very briefly 20 years before and he will have perfect recall and will be very nice and polite. So I'll go for that. Okay. And then we can talk about, I don't know, someone we met 20 yeah, years before. That's good. And... I didn't know that about Jimmy yeah. Carr. How did you know that about Jimmy Carr? Because I was did he with meet someone who he met 20 years ago, <laughs> briefly, and knew exactly who he was, his okay. name, and, and was very good. nice. Yeah. Uh, what sport would you like to see introduced into the Olympics? Because I've come up with, the, you can't have the synchronised pit. It's pretty impressive when, it's pretty good to get all the piss in when it's, you've got no control over the second three, but to control it, it's like this. They, were like, they weren't like close, they were like that. Both, every drop, every drop in the toilet. Well, what about the fumble? The when, fum you, when you fumble your yeah. micturating, you have yes. a slight um, bodily spasm yes. and you miss yeah. and, and, it, and there's a moment of panic as it starts going everywhere yeah. and you have to be very quick on the draw to direct it back yeah. or you have to be very, very thorough in your cleaning of yeah. the area. I mean, if that happened in an Olympic situation when you're being judged, I imagine that would be, all, that would be the same. You'd have to wait a long time for, <laughs> for the fumble, but you could have distractions. Yeah. You could have... It'd be awful if it happened. That would be the same as that girl who got the wobbles on the gymnastics, wouldn't it? Oh, no, I did. I weed all over the floor. It just went... People, girls think, ladies think that, you know, it's an efficient... It's a very inefficient system for very delivering good. urine, especially as you get older. Um, I'm going to come up with another question for you. You find yourself sitting down more. Do I find myself sitting down? Sitting down more rather than sort of risk. Oh, did you go to the toilet? Yeah. I, just thought, I thought you were going, I thought it was a new emergency question. No, see, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do find myself sitting down quite a lot around the way. Oh, in the toilet. Um, sitting down the toilet, you know. Uh, I, I sort of, um, I, I've experimented with it. But I, I don't, I just don't go back, even when, like at the moment, my toilet seat and the toilet I go to at night time, which is the one outside our bedroom, if you lift both lids at the same time, the lid comes off, ah. right? If you do one at a time, then it's fine. Uh, and, but you have to move the lid because the flush is behind the lid, so you can't just leave the lid down, so you've got to be moving stuff around. What kind, so of, I get, what kind of flush? It's a, it's a dual, dual, so you can go long or short flush. To button flush and um, wise. and it's I found it that distracts me that I forget to sit down but then I start doing my wee at night when you got if you've got bare legs at night same what we're talking about you kind of go oh fuck a lot of this isn't going into the toilet a lot of this is going on to me now do I wipe it off or do I just get into bed and let the sheets do, do the job so I should sit down but I find if I sit down like, I don't know, the bladder goes into a different position it or something. It sort of folds, doesn't yeah. it? And, and so you, I do a bit of You do a certain amount, yeah. but then you have to stand and do the to rest. Do the last, so you might as well stand up. Because <laughs> the second bit... And then that yeah. goes whoosh, all over the place. Yeah. So it's a good theory, but, you know... <laughs> In practice, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, not... Um, okay. All right. Did Kipling ever discuss this one with... HR Geiger for the Geiger counter guy. <laughs> Would you rather have an extra thumb on each hand? On the other side, so you've still got one thumb, you've just got another thumb on the other side. One. Each side. Yep. Or be able to shoot poo out of your bum like a cannon. <laughs> it's gone very toilety, hasn't it, this episode? Very toilety. <laughs> oh, dub double thumb. Yeah, I've seen, I've, the reason that I saw online something, you can buy an extra thumb thing. <laughs> That you, that you wear like a glove and it gives you an extra thumb. I didn't think it was that good. <laughs> but they seemed impressed. You can hold something and you can hold it something else. Yeah, good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd go for the poo cannon. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. That one's... There's some... Okay. All right. Would you rather have real-life VAR, the, what's, con what's the controversial vis virtual assistant referee used in football matches, so they replay... Oh, football, right, okay. They can replay the football and uh, someone... Uh, sorry, oh, sorry about that. Someone that could replay that. <laughs> um, 
So you could play back any argument or incident and find out what exactly who what was said exactly and who was in the right or wrong. Yes, that one. With an independent arbiter. <laughs> making every so there'd be a referee sitting off when you're having an argument with your partner or children or friends. Yeah. They'll come in and go, No, you didn't say that, you said this. <laughs> and you were wrong. Oh. Or only be able to earn a living as a lookalike of someone famous. <laughs> Although you'd be allowed to style your hair and wear appropriate clothes, you would not be able to change your face to look like a famous person. You would have to choose the famous person you think you most resemble and then only be employable as their lookalike. <laughs> you can't change your initial decision, even if in later years you start to resemble someone else. <laughs> or if you are much too old to be the person you chose. Who would be the person you'd choose to be the lookalike of if you Pete had Townsend to? and Pete Townsend and circa 1968. There's a lot of call for a Pete Townsend lookalike. <laughs> a, sh a short, rotund <laughs> Pete Townsend. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Be, yeah. Okay, so would you choose that over... No, you'd choose the VAR over... Well, it depends. If, we're, you know, if, if that's actually going to... Yeah. I, yeah, I, it'd be I, nice to know. I get into so many arguments with my wife that I can't really remember what any of the previous stuff was. <laughs> then she'll say I said something, and I go, I didn't say that. Or she'll say this, and I can't remember how it began or what we're arguing about. And the only way out of that is to sort of just have your phone on permanent record. <laughs> yeah. Which I have considered. But, yeah. Um, no. I, 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 go for the, um, I go for the boiler suit, the uh, Pete Townsend. Pete Townsend. Impersonator. I wonder how many people would employ you. Did you... <laughs> I don't think you'd get any work. Because you don't look like Pete Townsend, and also no one would want Pete Townsend turning up. What, what are circumstances? Do you want that bloke who wrote that, said he was writing a book about paedophiles, but then didn't, never came out? Do you want him to come to your party? And I should point out, he doesn't look like him either. The bloke doesn't, he doesn't he's got the boiler suit. Or he, it's a child's boiler suit he's wearing. That may have fitted him in one time. It's strange given the history. Ah, good. I feel good about myself. Just trying to remember the last voice verse of the Lost Islands. <laughs> there's spaces in the jungle. I can't remember. There's a, there's a man in a mask. There's someone in the jungle whose face is in a mask. They've got to done it, so they can escape at last from the last time. Can't believe you don't watch The Lost Islands. No. Too young, it's the problem. Time, too, young. too young for that, yeah. Does anyone remember the Lost Does anyone at all remember The Lost Islands? Yeah. Oh, thank God. <laughs> can you bring, like, 400 friends with you who also remember The Lost Islands to the next gig? Because this will be going... I mean, it's gone quite well, given <laughs> no one... <laughs> It's like the comedy of not recognition. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? Just hears nice to hear a song, isn't it? Let's <laughs> do a bit of a song. Okay, here's one. I'm going to ask you some more questions about yourself, aren't you? Am I? We're gonna... Oh, we're not, we haven't got much time. Would you? I'm sorry, I'll waste some of it with this. Would you rather it turned out we were all just characters in a video game being played by a slightly bored teenager? or that the last 10 years of your life had just been a dream and you're about to wake up back where you were a decade ago? Ooh. Well, um... Uh, that's... Because you've got a, a child who's about nine years old, yeah. so you would be going back to pre-having pre a child. Pre-having a child? Well, wow. yes, then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd go for that. I mean, it'd be kind of like... It would be sort of nice. It depends whether it plays out the same, isn't it? I mean, it would play out the first bit, would might play out the same, but it might not. Because then things change too much once you've changed this. But if you, if you got a chance to go back 10 years and relive the 10 years you've done... I think that would be good. I'd, yeah. I'd like to do that. Yeah. No, another go. I'd, like, I'd go back more than 10. More than 10? Yeah, I'd go back. I mean, I, I sort of didn't like my 20s, but I wouldn't mind another go at my 20s. I'd like to be 35 again, just because it was pretty cool. I was having a good time. I, didn't, I wasn't married and I didn't have any kids. It was brilliant. I had quite... I just, I would do exactly what I did this first time. Yes, you, yeah. yeah but we, we would just be here exactly in the same place. Yeah. We wouldn't have learned a thing. <laughs> no. Yeah. 
Oh, yes, this, that one. This is a good question based on the Lost Islands. <laughs> Would you rather be shipwrecked for six months or live in an igloo, igloo for the next decade? Ooh. Yeah. You'd, I'll give you some little extras. You'd have to survive on the desert island and capture your own food and make your own shelter, but it'd be nice and warm. The igloo would be as near to your current home as possible so you could still go to work, etc. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't be allowed in your current home. You could keep your stuff in the igloo, but it's not a very big igloo. <laughs> I'll do the igloo. I'll okay. do the igloo. Because it sounds, there's that fantastic kid, isn't there, who's, who's been camping out for charity. Oh, uh, there is. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So, yes, I'll, he would put me to shame, unfortunately. Yeah. Why do you do it, but don't do it for charity? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do it, raise some money, and then just go, oh, did you think this was for charity? <laughs> Never said that. Um, but igloos are cosy, aren't they? They, they are nice inside, yeah. yeah. I don't know if it would melt, though, if it was in Norwich. <laughs> it would, yeah. 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 I don't know. So, what are you working on right now before we... What's, what's going to come next? <clears throat> well, uh, I'm hoping... I'm working on a script at the moment I hope we'll be filming this year, but I don't know. Okay. Um, but I'm not, I can't say anything else on that at the moment. But I'm busy on various sort of screenplays and, uh, and a, a collection of, of stories, hopefully, um, all of which I, I can't really say anything about okay. at Good. this point. <laughs> so... Kind of, kind of not a very helpful answer. <laughs> it's good. I like unhelpful answers. Are you happy, Matt? Am I happy? Yes, yeah. I am happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good. You know, I think it's it's what you've done is uh, very admirable. I think, and also, but I think you've you've stayed true to your own path. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> and it's what you've done, you know, absolutely fantastic stuff. It's sort of, it's sort of weird. I don't know, it's weird to be a journalist. Would It really annoyed me, that quote. Even though it's a nice interview, the rest of the interview is very nice about you. But it's, it sort of annoys me that someone who works in an industry couldn't understand that, A, it's possible someone makes a decision to do something different mm. than everyone else, or B, they might, you know, they might have to go that way anyway. It's not, it's not necessarily in your hands. But... You know that that I think to sort of decide to go right. This isn't this isn't going the way I want it to go. Not, a lot of people don't have the bravery to sort of. I then can't walk think away that there's anything worse than than I think because you know performing and and working in TV and film. I th I think there's something. It, it's quite. It's an odd thing. The more you do it, um, it's very strange. You know, you you when you start doing it, you notice that. It's a very different world from norm normality, you yeah. know. And I think if the worst thing would be to be doing stuff you don't really, you know, believe in. And 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 I don't know. I just I just found it. It wasn't. It didn't feel like me. You know yeah. what I mean? So I'd I'd far rather be doing something, you know, low key. Uh, but I'd like to be doing more of it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's all I suppose. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I think it's it, the, this, even just that. You know, that f you've created that amazing feature film that's been, you know, very, very heralded correctly. I think. Uh, you know, that's an astonishing achievement <laughs> to get something together, to get the funding, to yeah, create yeah. it. It's very, uh, you know, and it's, it's such a bold subject because there's, there's it's basically, with, in, in, there's hardly any dialogue in, no. in it at all. I mean, there is some, but it's, but it's, it's so to write a feature like that that's so visual and so about creating a mood, mm. which is done brilliant through the music and, and the, all the, shots and everything but it's but it's you know it is it's a it's a terrific achievement i hope everyone will watch possum i hope everyone who hasn't seen garth and rengi will watch garth and rengi again uh, and i hope uh, i hope everyone who's seen it will watch it again i hope everyone will have a crack at it and i hope you're doing i want you to do another series of garth and rengi with you all <laughs> you all being the right the proper age imagine doing it now it'd be good you're the proper age to be garth it's the same thing as <laughs> as alan partridge is you are sort of a, a little boy being an old an older man yeah and yeah. now look at you well, <laughs> lucky. Yeah. Well, you know, never say never and all of that. Yeah. But um, prob, prob, no, in fact, never more. <laughs> never again. I think yeah. you're probably correct. Your decisions uh, and your choices are very well thought out and good. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a massive round of applause to my fantastic guest, Matthew Holders. Thank you very much. Thank Norris. you very much. It's been so good to be back in front of a big crowd. Thank you very much for coming. 
see you again next time. Thank you. Goodbye. You have been listening to Hullestafar with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Matthew Holness. The music is by Scant Regard. I am indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. I'm indebted, I'm indebted to George, the incompetent sound man who came along for this gig and was actually very competent. He's going to have to change his brand. I'm very much indebted to my good friend, Chris Evans. Not that one. No, not that one either. Not not the other one you're thinking of. It's the one from Go Fast the Stripe. I don't know why you need that clarified every single time we do this. Thank you to everyone at the Norwich Playhouse, everyone to the fantastic Norwich Festival where we recorded these shows and in that big tent and the school at the cathedral as well. They weren't really involved, but we could see it in the distance. So thank you to the people of Norwich in your mustard-smeared faces. It was an absolute delight to perform for you. Uh, and thank you all for coming. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. And we're back live at the Leicester Square Theatre. Head to RichardHerring.com slash gigs to find out who the guests are. You can, Many of them are sold out. Um... But uh, you can watch them all with the live stream, richardhang.com. You can find out about that if you're a monthly badger. Remember, you can get that stream for half price per episode or per series. It's well worth it. And stay being a badger, because otherwise we will literally lose money if you do it once and then go away again. Stay for a few months at least. And then we'll put all your money towards making more podcasts, because we are the good guys here. That's right. You heard me. We're the good guys. See you next time on Raha Lastapa. Goodbye.